0: This is the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel, bringing you the best tactical and statistical analysis of Liverpool FC.
1: Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode of Analyzing Anfield, your tactics and analytics podcast, courtesy of the Blood Red channel. I'm Josh Williams and I'm joined by David Hughes. Dave, how's your week been, mate? Yeah,
0: good, mate. I enjoyed the football. Lots going on this week, especially in the, in the Champions League. Yeah. Uh... You, know, have you recovered from Friday. <laughs> <laughs> um less said about that, the better, mate. But uh, <laughs> yeah, a few tired days,
1: but I think I'm just about over it now. Yeah, well, um, we are back to football, obviously. Uh, Liverpool have got plenty going on. And we obviously have Manchester City over the course of the weekend, and we have them again. And before we next appear on this podcast, we're probably going to have Man United as well. And Liverpool have played in the Champions League. So, fair bit to get through this episode. Um but I think we'll start with I think we'll start with general thoughts on on the surprise opponents that we now have in the Champions League semis. Uh Villa Real, what are your thoughts on this? Surprised? Uh, uh, yeah, d- definitely surprised.
0: I think it's uh, a fantastic uh opponent for Liverpool. I think it's worked out very well because um I know Villa, Villarreal, Villarreal obviously sold off, uh, sold off Bayern, um, and they sold off Juventus before that, if I r- remember correctly. So you certainly can't underestimate them. But you know, based on the numbers, you're looking at a team who are probably around maybe the fourth, but somewhere between the fourth and seventh best team in the league of this season. And given that Liverpool have done very well against the best of most divisions they've come across this year. I think this is just a perfect uh tie for them, especially at this stage of the competition. I think it would have been a, a good opponent, uh maybe in the round of sixteen, but to have this opponent in the in the last four is a you know it's a great turnout for them. And I'm I'm fully back in Liverpool to now reach the Champions League final. Yeah,
1: I mean, I, I don't think we need to go all galaxy brain, do we? And start making out that it's it's better. Uh, start making out that they're really, really tough far behind. Because although they've got obvious strengths, which we will touch on in a sec, um, it's still very rare well in this Champions League semi-finals, mm-hmm. And that's, that just doesn't really happen very often. What I will say, mate, it's a little bit of a, a pass on our back, maybe. I do think we kind of flagged that Bayern Munich and not what they appear to be, maybe, according to to say media outlets maybe um i didn't think would get the progress don't get me wrong but i didn't expect them to cause liverpool too many problems by munich this year and uh the fact that they only scored once over two legs against that real i think kind of summed that up hmm. yeah
0: yeah I, I i must admit i was still very surprised that that, that, that that that's how it panned out and to be fair if you have a look they did they, they kind of um arguably they were a little bit unlucky to, to not score more but yeah, if you look, if you can only score one goal against Villarreal over two legs, then uh, then you deserve to go out, don't you? So it's um, it was just a big shock. I didn't expect it. I agree. What I agree with the point you're making, but I just thought you would have too much for them.
1: Well, I did look at the game because I did a piece on it, so I've, I had a little detailed look at the game. Actually, the Villarreal game against Bayern, and to be honest, I was pretty impressed. And I think two two elements of the game, two stats maybe that kind of highlights how good Villarreal are in terms of their defensive game as part of a block. Over the course of the two legs, Bayern took 24 shots from outside the box, uh, which is obviously not good. And in terms of crosses, they hit, I think it was 32 crosses in the game. And across the whole season, their previous high, I think it was 26. So, Villarreal obviously made them shoot a lot from, from long range, which is not ideal. And he made them cross a lot, probably aimlessly into the box. So, I think those two little stats there on their own almost epitomize what you're probably going to come up against when it comes to Villarreal. How it's going to be very much Liverpool breaking down a block for 90 minutes, potentially 180 minutes. Don't concede first, all that sort of stuff. Hmm.
0: Yeah. That'll be exactly what it is. You don't really want to give them anything to to hold on to. In an ideal world, you get that first goal. Uh, Villarreal probably have to come out and play a little bit. And I think when you compare the uh, the two teams, man for man, you, you you know Liverpool by far got the better quality. So I expect that would um, conveniently open the game a little bit more for Liverpool, and it could go on to be a a comfortable kind of two-legged victory. I mean it sounds like I'm being really dismissive over Villarreal you know they're clearly a good side and they have had some big wins but I just think you know if you consider where Liverpool are at this season I, I struggle to see how they caused them too many issues um, bar and as you said maybe if they were to score off the first attack and then Liverpool would just have a really uh, poor attacking performance where where they just weren't very efficient Then, then maybe that happens but even then you could imagine that over 90 minutes, but over 180, I think the the, the quality would eventually uh, rise to the top.
1: Yeah, I mean, just, just a, another little nod towards Valerial, to be fair to them. Uh, when I did look into the numbers of the, the, the La Liga season, uh, so just just the Spanish La Liga, if you remove Real Madrid and Barcelona, Valerial are top for passes into the box per match, Progressive passes per match, dribbles per match, progressive carries per match, uh through balls per match. So they are, they do have something there. I don't wanna I don't wanna play them down too much and make out that Liverpool are gonna do this walk and pace. I do think they are a good side this season. I think the arguably I think they're very similar to what Sletiguma did actually, in terms of being very good as part of a block on the defensive side of the game and able to pose, able to actually play when they get on the ball as well. So it's going to be an interesting one, but I do I do expect Liverpool to to probably have too much in this case. One thing I did find interesting, Dave, is uh, again similar to Benfica, the number of Premier League ex Premier League players who we are playing for. Them, we've seen it. Yeah, but it seems to be an even lower calibre. <laughs> like yeah,
0: um, I'm trying to think off the top of me. I think that I remember seeing um, obviously Moreno there. There was he was at Watford. What was his name? Uh, Capoue. Yeah, Capoue. Capo, Capoue's there. Um, Sergio yeah oh, he's there. there oh
1: I didn't know he was there yeah Juan Foyth is Foyth. there yeah Foyth. Foyth. yeah yeah um he is more I'm gonna say there's Arnold he who is not a flop to be fair years ago no, no, we no. yeah I've talked about him
0: before from a Liverpool perspective interesting player he was at Bournemouth yeah. wasn't he and uh he's kind of went went there and I must admit I haven't looked down the last couple of months but when I wrote about him you know, maybe two three months ago he'd, uh, he'd hit the ground run and then he kind of um, really scaled up his output in you know, a top European league so I don't know if maybe there's still legs in that one eventually Yeah, well they've got Chuck Weezy as well
1: he's another mm. player who's, who I've wrote about in the past I think I think we've mentioned on this pod a few times because he's left yeah. footed uh, so he's in system one they also have Giovanni Leselso who was at Spurs again mm. and Francis Cochrane who was at Arsenal. Uh, so we and Ui Emery of course. Yeah, he was yeah, in the yeah. Premier League. So a, a weird mishmash. It's, of, more, it's a bit of a North London graveyard, isn't it? It's a bit, yeah. Yeah, it's like a a Premier League 11 that you've that, you, that you're going to forget in a couple yeah, of years time like I 11. Yeah. But obviously I mean credit to Emery for, to, for getting them to play as part of a, a functional unit in a way I suppose. Yeah. Uh, Going to be an interesting one. We'll obviously delve into a little bit more closer to the tie. But according to 538, Dave, Liverpool and Manchester City are both 42% on to win the Champions League. So it's looking like it could be a Liverpool City final.
0: i Am a right in saying it's, uh, it's obviously City Madrid, isn't it? Yeah, Real well, Madrid, yeah. What I would say is a City are a better side than Madrid, clearly. Um... But Madrid just have something weird in this competition, don't they? So yeah. um, I find that game a little bit tougher to predict. I couldn't predict who Liverpool are going to play as a at B-City, but you know Madrid do, do have it up the sleeve in this competition.
1: Um, who would you yeah. rather get? I'd rather get Real Madrid every day of the week. Not would even you? Yeah, I, I absolutely do not want City.
0: Analyzing Anfield on the Blood Red Channel
1: that yeah. game at the had. that was painful mm. That they, they are a tough team to play against mate. They're, they're so good honestly I know they've, they've had tons and tons of money pumped into the club and stuff like that but so have Man United you know so have <laughs> no offence <laughs> to me um, what Guardiola's done there in terms of the team he's coached how good they are tactically how good they are technically I mean They are really, really top level. and Obviously on this show, we talk about the analytics, we talk about the numbers, and maybe a lot of shows like this maybe would play down the the mental elements of the game. But I think certainly in the first half, the the mental side of the game was on show more than ever. I thought some of Liverpool's really established leaders just seemed to stop playing or seemed to panic when they were presented with easy decisions to make. Mm I I thought it was a, a difficult game. What did you think of it?
0: Uh, yeah, I thought it was a really high quality game. As is always the case, you know, we talked in the build up to the show that these fixtures, you know, ten years ago, the, the top sides tended to be really cagey affairs, and you know, would would often disappoint. In this Klopp Guardiola era, these games between City and Liverpool have, have rarely done that. You know, the, 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 they always seem to be um, phenomenal, always deliver. I thought the same against Sunday. In terms of City, to me, it felt like they were as close as you get to perfect uh, in, in terms of what they were doing with them without the ball. I thought that was arguably the best version you will get of them. I thought Liverpool done fairly well. Uh, I like how, I, I like what Liverpool do without the ball. I think they you know they do they do minimize the threat as much as you can. But the problem was City was just so good. Um, and it was a really good result, I think. It, all things considered, for Liverpool, yeah, you know, I know Liverpool would have preferred to win, try and get the the um, title back in in their hands, so to speak. But I, I think the form city within that day, the way the game was going, the way it could have went a couple times, you know, with the tight offside, etc. It was probably best to come away with a point and see if the battle can be won elsewhere over these next six or seven weeks.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm actually on the back of it a little bit. Disappointed with Liverpool. I mean I'm not sure how disappointed I can be considering the level of the opponent, the level of the, the you know, the status of the game and things like that, the importance of it. But I just felt Liverpool I just I was just a little bit disappointed. Like I I for me, um I think we've played City now twice over the course of the season, home and away. Both first halves have been horrendous. Um and you could argue over the one hundred and eighty minutes, Liverpool have played well maybe for a total of Forty-five minutes potentially combined, mm-hmm. um, and when we play well, City really do struggle because they're not used to playing against a team that are that are brave and bold on the ball, mm-hmm. who are willing to play through their lines, pin them in. Um, when Liverpool do it, it's it's it 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 causes the major issues. But for whatever reason, we we have throws a little bit against them this season, and that's one of the reasons why I would dread the potential final against this team. Um, but I do I do think that if you if you look at the quality of the game, I, I know the perception of it is that it was it was thrilling, it was entertaining and stuff like that. I actually felt the the Etihad clash in 2018-19 was a higher standard personally for me. Um, maybe I've got to watch it again.
0: Yeah, I, but I think maybe that might be because you, you you probably thought Liverpool brought more to the table in that game. Whereas this game, maybe you touched on it already, did the, the there was players who weren't the best, of course. Fabinho in particular struggled Um I was trying to think why that was and if you can't although City did like the 4-3-3 it was a bit like a 4-2-3-1 at times with De Bruyne kind of having this free role, and he kept seem to get in those areas either side of Fabinho causing him, causing him a few issues um, so I think that maybe that plays into it and obviously we're really looking forward to Thiago playing in such a big game I thought by his standards he wasn't really at his best um, so that probably tied into it but as you said it, it's just really hard isn't it because it's hard to see how much you apportion um, on Liverpool in terms of maybe not being at their very best but also is that a consequence of just how good City are at home as well um, because it's the Etihad. I don't know whether that's a bit of a reputation as a you know people make jokes about them not selling out this and that but it has become a difficult place to go and win when football matches and i sp- I know teams have gone and done it, lower teams, you know, your Palaces or your Tottenham's, but obviously there's an edge when Liverpool come. You know, there's a, an added motivation and it kind of feels like City now have, have done a good job of creating a bit of a tougher, well, a much tougher environment for Liverpool to, to go and win there. You know, in the league, there hasn't been a win there since was a Klopp's first game. Uh, I know there was the Champions League victory there, but...
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm not sure. To be honest, it might have been Klopp's first game I remember that much, And uh, obviously, yeah. it was the Champions League game as well. But in that, yeah. in that match, Liverpool had a lead City had to go for it.
0: Yeah, yeah exactly. Which obviously changes the dynamic a little bit, doesn't it? Um, so, yeah, I think it's a tough place to go. And, and and that's why I'm just saying, if you throw all that in, I think, look, that's a, that It's probably not a bad point um,
1: and keep the, the race alive. Well, I, I did say before the game that like, uh, people would trainer is the title decided I said it I think it could be if City win because uh, the, the gap would be four points but I, th- I thought if Liverpool were going to win that's mm. only two points that can still change very quickly so I didn't think it was going to be decided if Liverpool won the game I thought it might have been if City did obviously win ended a draw so we kind of keep playing mm. Uh, mm. just for a bit of context on how close it was I suppose the expected goals on the day City posted bang on two Liverpool posted 1.1 um, Liverpool obviously didn't create much only six shots to City's 11 but I suppose you could argue the six shots that Liverpool did create were relatively close to goal they were relatively clear cut mm. uh, scored a few tap-ins and stuff so yeah um, one of the main things Go on.
0: I was going to say yeah on that I just think uh, it, it really helps that Liverpool just tend to be efficient in key moments doesn't it you know that that's one yeah. thing I do think they have over City they have an efficiency efficiency in front in front of goal that can be decisive, and I do think they're better there at City than the.
1: Yeah. Were well, any surprises by the eleven, by the way? Obviously, we, we were a bit stumped when we were coming to terms with the team last week. I didn't I personally didn't think Diaz would start. He didn't. Uh that wasn't a surprise for me. Marnie plays and Jota plays and Bobby was on the bench.
0: Yeah, I think I thought it uh, might have said it on the show. I thought maybe Bobby might have got the nod, and he went with the traditional front three, um, with the idea of maybe bringing Jota and um, Diaz on. Yeah. I guess uh, it's. I guess Jota basically kind of reinforced why he starts those games because, again, you know he doesn't necessarily uh, put on a spectacle, does he? But when when the chance comes to, him, you know, a big chance in a big moment, he, he scores and he see, he just keeps doing it, you know, every week when he's called upon. And that's just always there not re- it? Isn't yeah, just becoming a really
1: important trait. Yeah. I mean what one of the main elements I want to touch on regarding the game is every, I sent a newsletter out on this yesterday. Um every now and then Klopp comes with a surprise. Pep comes with a surprise. Obviously Klopp came last season with the four four two. And this season, I think one of the reasons Liverpool looked so bad defensively is because City, kind of out of nowhere, came with direct passes. Uh, Klopp referenced it after the match. He said they were a bit more direct than they usually are. When Hendo or Thiago stepped up, they had to play back passes. But when we didn't do that, it was just like a set piece and they chipped the balls behind our line. For whatever reason, Guardiola's never been too inclined to do them passes. Um, Not sure what it is. But those passes are very, very dangerous. Liverpool have showed that over the years. And considering Liverpool play with such a high line against City and sometimes kind of hold that line in the middle of the pitch and don't really press City. They kind of wait for them passes into the midfield and then they can, they can harry the ball and, uh, and hopefully regain them in the middle of the park and then counter attack. The I thought it caused Liverpool major problems playing those passes. And one of the stats that I included in the in the newsletter, just to kind of catch me point, was across the whole of the current Premier League season, um sorry, City played 113 high passes in the match. A high pass is a high pass is, is a pass that's defined as uh, above shoulder height, at peak height. And they played 113 against Liverpool. That's the second most that they've played in any game all season. Uh, Except for one, that's against Crystal Palace. And their usual average is 87. So, 130 against Liverpool, I think, kind of highlights a, a bit of a strategic shift, maybe. And, obviously, it caused major issues for Liverpool. And I think ahead of the return meeting, the rematch on the weekend, which we can now, I suppose, start talking about. That, for me, is a major thing for Klopp to... Okay, what's the plan for this? Because that was something he wasn't expecting... Now we've got that team again immediately for me you you have to find a way to cater for that
0: really hard to do though isn't it because um we're recording now on thursday uh, benfica was last night so it'll be recovery day then you have tomorrow maybe to do a bit of training and then the game on saturday isn't it um so i do wonder how much time they've had to kind of because uh, you might have to make adjustments right? But that's really hard to do. I think it's really tough. I don't know how they do this because Liverpool have built a structure around playing really high, um, restricting space uh in which the ball's played and then almost inviting balls over the top. But if a team can kind of punish you in the way that they did, or expose you, or at least put you know elements of risk in there, then it becomes a problem. Um so I don't I don't know how you combat it in that time. I think it's gonna be really difficult. And that could be A big decisive thing on Saturday. Analyzing Anfield on the Blood Red Channel.
1: Well, even with time, I'm not even that sure how you combat it. It's it's Mm. kind of one of the reasons it's been so effective for Liverpool is because it it kind of poses the question to opponents. Whenever Liverpool facing a team, it's kind of like okay. Um, if you don't press us, but you stay high, we will play balls over the top to you. Whereas if you press us, we will just play around you type thing. And it kind of poses that question now to Liverpool. The Liverpool just kind of go a bit mental and start pressing them high to, to prevent um those passes, because the passes kind of happened when Laporte had like time and space, for example. So the answer you could argue is, well, don't give them time and space. But then if you look at the pressing numbers of the game, Liverpool haven't posted more pressures in, in any game all season. That was Liverpool's most pressures in a single game. So you mm. can't kind of start start suggesting them to do even more because they, they did a fair bit of it at the Eddy Had. They change um, yeah. changed shape, they you dropped the line, they you dropped mm. the upside trap. So. I think the problem with pressing
0: as well, specifically against this opposition, is say you think of Liverpool have got a front three who were pressing. Um City not only have a back four, so they have one man extra over. But they've also got Edison, who is, you know... Uh, insane. I mean, yeah, basically, yeah. You know, I, I think I mean, Allison is a better shot stopper, no doubt about it. Uh, but I think Edison is unrivaled by anyone in that position with the baller's feet. Um, we'll probably laugh about what nearly happened with
1: the uh, with the goal. But... Well, to be honest, when I said insane, that was what I was referencing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Although his ball-playing ability like... is also insane. He, he yeah. is also mentally... Mentally <laughs> insane, yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, but you know, we saw it where he never, the most cool man in the stadium when he nearly conceded from a mistake didn't happen. And I just think what well, he's capable of because he can basically be the extra man in possession when you go short or if you press high. He can clip this, clip it over your head into the like the second line, and he's he's actually got the potential to go one further as well and go all the way to the to the attack. So he's he's a bit like a quarterback in that area. So I think that's why it's. Much tougher to press City than it is other teams because you've not only got, say, if it was um Liverpool's three trying to press against City's four, which is a one man advantage, you've then potentially got Edison, which which gives you someone else another free player in possession. So really, really difficult to deal with that.
1: Yeah, I was I was thinking potentially is, is that four four two an option again now? Um mm. because what that what that would give you would be a front two who could theoretically take care of City's two centre-backs, if you know what I mean. So when it comes to Laporte or Stones getting on the ball and having time and space, would they have less time and space if Salah occupied Laporte a bit more? And if, say, I don't know, Bobby occupied Stones, and then you've obviously got two wide players occupying Cancelo and... Well, it might not be walking on you know, It seems to be injured. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I, I'm just thinking of, of potential ways to stop City's centre-backs being able to just play those balls over the top at will. Because Liverpool yeah. usually, over the years, have allowed those players to just kind of have the ball and have kind of posed the question to them, what are you going to do? And now if you can just play them balls over the top, that's no longer a tactic really for Klopp, is it? You can't just let them have the ball and start doing that no
0: i think another issue is uh it's when that it's to say it's the four, four two, you're basically saying to the wing back are like you uh you have the ball um we'll let that we'll kind of funnel everything to them um but i mean think of like cancelo you know think think of the technical ability yeah, he has really like how many times a season have you seen him um well for the was it was it him for the goal for jesus's goal when he whips it into the
1: i think it was yeah
0: yeah and i remember he scored a similar one against Everton this year where he whipped it over the top for Sterling you know he's just got he's so dangerous in in with that area that it's just really difficult lots of headaches and I'm not, not sure how you do combat it um, I mean the only way you do combat it is you dominate the ball I and mean, then you haven't got that problem but that's really hard to do against City isn't it
1: even for Liverpool I mean maybe it, it, Walker does seem to be injured so if Walker's out you've probably got one of Nathan Lackey Or Zinchenko coming in, maybe if one of those plays, maybe you can funnel the ball towards them and let them permanently be the free, the free players Whoever whoever it is who who starts, Um, because then neither of those two are going to hate you too much. No. So maybe Liverpool could formulate a plan around that. I'm not sure, but that direct passing thing is not is a new tool for Guardiola. He hasn't used that previously against Klopp, and it, it caused major damage. It was probably the reason why he started with a front three of Sterling, Foden, and Jesus. Three yeah. players who are arguably the most similar to Liverpool type forwards, if you know what I mean, in terms of being quick and penetrative. And, yeah, you know
0: what I mean, yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, because then it, you can be more direct. Like, every, like, I don't know about you. I didn't think Jesus was going to start. That caught me out. But straight away, when he did, I thought, right, what's going on here then? You know, he's yeah. clearly got something planned. Then you saw very quickly what he was thinking. You know having that more that that player who can do those runs.
1: Yeah, I'm, I must admit, I thought De Bruyne was outstanding. I thought yeah. he was ridiculous to be honest. And it's, if if he doesn't play, that is a big bonus for Liverpool because he's such a threat. One of one, he's one of their main fears when you are pressing City high, because if he receives the ball on the half turn in transition and he's leading their counter attack, the passes he makes on the on the break, are just Always so perfect. He always makes the right like, decision. There was a there was a moment towards the end of the game. He's running towards, say Trent's side of the pitch, and he plays a pass with his left foot to a player who's running in the, on the up towards the opposite side. If you know what I mean, I think yeah. it might have been. Was it Mattis? Maybe or something like that. And I just remember thinking to myself, how was he even seen that pass? Never mind it. Never mind it, executed it.
0: Yeah, yeah, he, um he kind of sees. It's like he has a vision of. I mean, what you forget is, you know, you, we can see that pass because the angle we have, what we're watching it on. But you know, think about where he is. He's on the pitch. He's, he's. It's everything's eye level to see those passes. Um, it's just a testament to me. He's a phenomenal player. Uh, it's a shame that. Well, maybe not from a Liverpool point of view, but it's a shame that he. Uh, he doesn't ever seem to get a true kind of running a team in the team without having to be out for a little while with 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 injuries because. You know, he is he is unplayable. Um he's right up there in terms of one of the best in the Premier League. Um he's ridiculous, mate, honestly. Why the mate? Mate? Go, on. go
1: on. No, no, no I'm gonna change, change subjects, so I want to leave it on this uh... I was just gonna say in, in terms of like Liverpool opponents, Liverpool face, he's probably I'm trying to think of any other player who's been as dangerous against Liverpool over the years when he's on the ball, just the way he receives the ball, how how you know, he, he, he receives the ball and plays the ball so quickly forwards uh, on the half-turn. You know, there's no dawdling or anything like that. He's just so difficult to defend against them. I think he's by far and away City's best individual. And if he's not playing, I think he's also the most inclined of City's players to actually deliver with goals and assists. I think yeah. Guardiola's got a load of nice playmakers who, players like Grealish maybe who aren't actually inclined to deliver where the actual goal is. But they'll do lots of nice things. I think the Brilliant's got that in this game. So if they're going to lose him, for f- I don't know how long it's going to be. Whatever it might mean, by the time this podcast comes out, it might be fit again. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. but he's a big loss.
0: Did Aunt um, Sally? And I, you know, I bring it up because he was such a heavy uh, topic of this uh, conversation when we were doing the Q and A. We a little bit concerned that again he didn't really look too dangerous in that game in City.
1: I actually thought, watching the game, that Salah's passing in particular it was very, very good, I thought. Um, he set up Marnay's goal, obviously. That moment of quality to receive the ball, turn, see Marnie's run and play an inch-perfect pass, mm. I thought was a real moment of quality. I think he sets up a Johnson chance as well with the outside of his foot, potentially, unless I'm getting that one wrong. But I actually thought that Salah had an alright game in terms of his contributions. He just didn't really pose too much of a threat. Um I'm not overly concerned about him. I don't think it's that much of a thing. Maybe it'll get more and more on the Z, not ideal. But these things just kind of happened, I think. why did you, did you not think he was um, particularly good?
0: No, I thought, um again, stuff with the ball, as you've just touched on look look good some uh some key passes and key moments but i never really thought he looked like he was going to score uh mm. and the, the reason i is it is because it's you know it's been i think his last goal was against brighton and that might have even been a penalty i can't remember for sure And just interesting when someone go through these kind of hot and cold spells you know what it does psychologically for them um and with it being such a crucial period it, it feels like is. As backwards as it sounds, because Liverpool need them to be firing to be successful, it kind of feels like this Baron spell will probably be playing into the club's favour a little bit more with, with the stuff that's going
1: on with the negotiations. Yeah, I've, I've just looked at uh, Salah's passes that I'm, that I'm referencing there. He, he did set up the goal, obviously, and he did set up Jota's, Jota's shot. I'm not sure if you remember Jota's shot. He kind of plays. Salah plays a ball with the outside was front round the corner, and Jota kind of immediately toe pokes it.
0: Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. At uh, second half, Edison, yeah, half decent save from Edison, but not on that phenomenal.
1: Yeah, but in in both of those moments, I thought Salah showed real quality to find his teammate and set them up with a, a, an opportunity to score. Mm-hmm. Um, he has got that in his game. And if he's providing those assists and he's not scoring, maybe he, he's making up for it mm-hmm. for the loss a little bit. Well, I think ahead of the weekend anyway, I think Liverpool's to-do list at the top of it is play more football. Uh, I think Liverpool need to stick the chest out basically and start playing, going toe-to-toe with this team when it comes to actually on the ball, being brave, playing through the lines and things like that, not just hoofing it up long. Um, And I think obviously second on the list for me is to sort out those direct passes that City were making because they're extremely dangerous and Liverpool didn't have a, a way around it. It was a major problem. Mm-hmm. Um, have you got any thoughts about the rematch maybe who will who will have the edge maybe I mean Liverpool obviously got the chance to rotate during the week yeah. uh, Liverpool have been in the country all week City haven't and City have now picked up two injuries so I suppose maybe you could argue it's, it's leaning in Liverpool's favour now yeah
0: it's City, uh, so apparently City players aren't even going home they're flowing into the straight to London uh, and they're staying there to the fi- uh, semi-final now which again you know players are against found family and stuff I still think let's be honest although they probably edged it from a performance perspective on Sunday I still think when you go into these fixtures it can go either way you know we're back in a neutral venue as well which is key um, yeah. so I'm probably I'm probably still 50-50 maybe maybe Liverpool nick this one uh, and at least I think I'm at the very least I expect a better performance from Liverpool but uh, still very difficult. Wouldn't surprise me if it was extra time and extra time and penalties, given that the teams have played twice and not been separated so far.
1: Yeah, we'll look forward to it. And I'm sure we'll speak about it next week.
0: Analysing Anfield on the Blood Red Channel.
1: After that game, Liverpool have a Tuesday night fixture with Manchester United. First time since obviously Liverpool beat them 5 0 at Old Trafford. Um, I think before we get into the game, have you? I haven't asked. I actually haven't asked your thoughts even outside this podcast. Eric Ten Hag, uh, he seems to be the man for them. Mm, yeah. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on? Them? Um, <clears throat> it's tough
0: with United because uh, even the moves that make sense, you always, you know, they've. <laughs> The way they've operated for several years now, you kind of think there's there's going to be a way that they mess it up, um, or they do something wrong, important, you know, within the process. But if we try and look at it with a clean slate, uh, I think it's a move. It, it can be a decent move for them as long as he's you know given time to kind of build something in the same way he was at Ajax. Whether he will be at United, I don't know. Uh, I think. For it to be a success, everything's got to change. The structure's got to change. The recruitment's got to change. Uh, they've got to stop focusing so much on, you know, commercial buys is probably the best way to put it and start, you know, build, bringing in players who are, who are going to be suited to his philosophy. Um, and maybe they have a chance, but I don't know. It's just something about that style of football. I can imagine at and, and, and United, you know, kind of like uh, Ten Hag's Dutch kind of philosophy. Mm. So I just I feel like I don't know, and I feel like United are a bit like Liverpool in that they f- probably thrive for with f- thrive more with a Klopp type profile as opposed to maybe like a a Ten Hag, you know, like that continental sort of style. But yeah, yeah. May- maybe I will get me eye wiped.
1: Why? What's your thoughts? Um, on the face of it, I, I think it's the best appointment I've made since Ferguson. Mm. Um, and I think he's the only coach I think he's the only coach they've appointed since Ferguson who Liverpool and City would also appoint um, I don't think Liverpool would have never appointed Mourinho or Van Gaal or and, and I think the same applies to City, Moyes Solskjaer, this is the first coach I think that would get a job at Liverpool and would get a job at City uh, in different circumstances I do like him having said that it is Man United, and I agree with what you've just been saying. They do have this way about them to just mess it up, basically. Um, and I do wonder, over the past couple of years, if you'd have put Klopp at United, or if you'd have put Pep at United. I'm sure these have done better than what we've seen. But how, how much better, I'm not I'm not entirely sure, because I do, I've always said I think a manager is so reliant on his recruitment to be on point. And if you look at Klopp, for example, over the years, Klopp has wanted Liverpool to sign Julian Brandt
0: mm.
1: apart b- before getting convinced by the people around them to get Mo Salah. Klopp has wanted to get Mario Götze before getting convinced by the people around them to pick up might have been Sadio Mane back then. Um, so, you know, there's no coach out there really who is kind of all-seeing, all-knowing type thing. Mm. You do need help from experts around you, and I think if I, I don't think they've got that at United, I think it's it seems to be a little bit jobs for the boys type thing, mm. um, and the boys don't seem to be particularly clued oh, up, okay. at least when it comes to be the modern the modern game and thinking differently and being a bit forward thinking and stuff like that. So I think Ten Hag is a good appointment in isolation, but I think to actually prosper. At United lately, past couple of years is is it's not impossible, but it's very very hard. Yeah, yeah, I agree. You know,
0: and you know, maybe maybe the 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 way they're doing things is going to change. You know, I I read a piece this morning where it was saying, you know, uh, recruitments. They've obviously got shortlisted players, dossiers on players, but they're not actually going to. Uh, progress with any negotiations until Ten Hag's come in, yeah, and he said, you know, the, the the players he wants for his kind of the way he wants to play, the, you know, the profiles he needs, and he'll kind of give the final say on who they go for and who they don't. Um, which I think is, you know, maybe different to in the past where you know players have been bought behind managers' backs and stuff with you know commercial views and in the forefront. So. You Know maybe they are steadily starting to improve, but I feel like I've, I've thought this before with United and then and then they just don't, you know, they, they make mistakes again. Uh, the best example I thought last year, uh, Sancho looked like it'd be a decent ish move. I uh, felt like they were doing some decent stuff, they were starting to solidify themselves as a top four side again, and then they went and bought Ronaldo because they didn't want my city <laughs> to get them, you know, and it was just like. Where are we going here? It's backwards. So um they need to stop doing stuff like that, I think.
1: Yeah, such a terrible sign on honestly. The worst. Yeah. That's like, I've seen someone tweet saying something like um, that's absolute new age football tactics for Manchester City mm. to be pretending to get linked with Ronaldo so that he goes to Old Trafford and basically yeah. ruins everything. So yeah. I
0: actually thought they were interested, but uh, same, yeah, same, people to, yeah. People I've spoke to since then, they were like, you know, sources, quote unquote, uh, have all said what, what, what we're laughing about now. That city we're never interested.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, one thing with Ten Hag, I think he he, he comes across to me a little bit, maybe timid is the word potentially, mm. um, and I think he benefits at Ajax from being surrounded by a really good structure, people who do a lot of the. Uh, they, allow him, they allow him to coach essentially he's, he's very much yeah. the coach and again at Old Trafford the spotlight is bright and um, in terms of the structure around them, I'm not sure yeah. how strong it is I'm not sure how capable they are so in a way it's it's a massive risk for him taking the job I think um, mm-hmm. but it's, 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 one. To it's hard
0: money. yeah I suppose if it's him no it's hard to turn down isn't it like still one of the biggest
1: clubs yeah. in the world you know big project um, if you what I will say, him. I do think they're going to massively benefit. I do sorry. I think he's going to massively benefit from the fact that when he gets there, Paul Pogba would have left, Jesse Lingard will have left, Juan Mata will have left. You know, you've got all these players who are Cavani's going to go. Yeah, Cavani's going. I'm not sure if Ronaldo will even stay. Yeah. Uh, so he is benefiting from a clean slate there, and a lot of the players who have quite obviously failed and uh, haven't been constructed around in terms of his system are just not gonna be there when he gets there. I think that's a massive pick. Mm-hmm. Um but in terms of the, the weekends game it's sorry the Tuesday's Next game. Week, yeah. Um I mean I'm confident to say yeah. the least. Yeah. I will be as well. It's uh, you know I mean you must uh, have watched them against Everton, Dave.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I um, well watched it back, should say I was obviously uh, at the game myself. but the um yeah i mean what stands out with this team if you still look at it you know if you pick their best 11 put down on paper there's still a lot of quality in that side you know for me there's not many players who you go he's not at very least a top eight player do you know what i mean there's you know there's good players in the team but the intangibles you know the things that you can't really measure in the stuff that we like to measure with numbers and things i think uh I think that's where they definitely fall down i think you have got a really really bad um kind of team ethos i think the character's really poor mm. you know last week you look at that game you're going to you're going to everton early kickoff the less than 72 hours earlier they just got beat three two. it like a second the results looked like they potentially could be getting sucked right in relegation and you know all you'd have to do is go and get an early goal there and you can go and have a comfortable three points you don't get beat 1-0 you know with, with, with lots of kind of i'd say huffing and puffing but not even that just a pretty poor poor display um and that's summed them up for me that's summed up what united are at the moment so i'm of the i'm of the opinion there's no way they go to anfield where they've not won since you know 2016 six years i can't see them going there and causing this Liverpool team any issues
1: no, i can't i think the occasional almost take care of itself yeah. even, if, even if it doesn't i think mm. Liverpool will absolutely steamroll them um like if you, even if people consider their attacks to be dangerous uh because they've got all these gifted individuals and stuff but if you look at their attack lately and seems are like creating xg wise yeah, it's really not smart. much yeah and um, if you look at the game against watford a while a few weeks ago they created a good amount they drew nil Funnily enough, but they created a good amount. But since then, they created 0.5 XG against City, 1.1 XG against Spurs, 0.8 XG against Atletico Madrid, 1.4 against Leicester, and 0.8 against Everton. So lately, they're not really generating many chances that are that are valuable. Uh, and it, those recent fixtures have been against teams that you could argue are half-decent. And... Um, and Liverpool obviously a lot better than that. Uh, and it's, I think it's insistent that in terms of Rangish. when he came in, he had fresh ideas, you know, moved the team towards a four, two, 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 side of four, four, two, even side of four three at one point. I think it's insistent that again, yet another Manchester United coach has just fell back onto four, two, three, one. I think it, it seems to just revert back to that no matter what. And it, it doesn't seem to be taking them anywhere. It never seems to benefit Pogba. It's not a system for Pogba. It never has been. Um, and it, they're probably going to play against Liverpool with that formation, which is the formation that they used in the 5 0 loss to Liverpool or Old Trafford mm-hmm. when Liverpool absolutely demolished them.
0: So I'm just thinking, right, as you're talking there, I'm thinking, you know, you've you, you got, let's not forget, you, you got beat 5 0. By one of your biggest rivals in the country, in, and it could have been worse. Let's be honest; it was about five nil after uh, 50 minutes. It was, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was 50 minutes. Was it 50? 50. 50. So let's be honest; that could have Liverpool could have hit you for eight on your own patch. Yeah, surely to God, you know, you've got to be so motivated for this return fixture to 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 kind of bring a bit more respect to your club. But you look at this team and you just go, no, th- there's no chance they'll have any of that. You know, yeah. I, you, you can just you wouldn't be surprised if it was another like three or four nil, comfortable for Liverpool. And what what made me laugh is again as you were talking, I was thinking it, it's true, isn't it? Like Ragnick went in and we were like, okay, he's going to do this, he's going to implement kind of this philosophy, and I think he tries it. But with this group, I think it just becomes a, a process of kind of banging your head on the wall, and you have to revert to this. You have to revert to a comfort tactic where you get the best of what you can get from them because they won't really give you much else. They're not willing to they're not willing to change. They're not really willing to um evolve as a as a group. They'll just they just want to almost go through the motions, it feels like, a little bit. You know, they wanna go and stick to the four, two, three, one that they know, win some, lose some and and be steady and and, and that's it. You know, that, I think this is why it was a good point that you said a few key players are gone in the summer. I think that's uh, that's important because it's that's a that's a rotten group at the moment
1: that it needs yeah. a
0: big shake up.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think even in the motivation thing that you've just mentioned, you know, you've got to be very motivated with this game. I think even if they were ridiculously motivated, I think I still don't think they've got the they've got quality obviously, but I don't think they've got the know how of how to work as a team to To cause Liverpool problems mm-hmm. um, like when we faced them at Old Trafford one of the reasons we just demolished them is because they're 4-2-3-1 if you picture the two wide players who were uh, maybe Rashford and I don't know say it was Sancho they, they do players forwards for the whole game even if they're defending so if you picture them high on the same line as the striker and potentially the number 10 you can then em- envisage what the, the size of the space in the middle of the park looks like for Fred and McTominay to manage. It's mm-hmm. enormous. Yeah, it's lot, yeah. Li- Liverpool really targeted that. Firmino played in the match and Firmino was dropping deeper. Lincoln with Liverpool's front three. And by doing that, they kind of formed like a diamond shape and the diamond shape formed around McTominay and Fred. And it was, I mean, you try forming part of a two, and trying to get, trying to compete with a diamond. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you yeah, can't, outnumbered outnumbered that. Yeah, outnumbered by elite players. Yeah, outnumbered. And obviously Liverpool had the better of it in the middle of the park, uh, really exploded the spaces behind the likes of Rashford and Sancho because they just, they don't track back. And I'm not sure how much of that Rangyuk has, has impacted. Um, he was signed earlier on in the season where he was starting to make a bit of a difference according to numbers mm-hmm. and stuff, but lately since he started fain- facing tough t- t- teams again just back to what it was before really isn't it yeah yeah i mean it, it looks to all intents and purposes
0: you're just kind of still watching us Charge united if we're being brutally honest you know yeah. the, it looks like the same group um you know there's been no drastic increase really uh even if, if the underlying numbers if you look pre and post of the very similar uh i think at first there was a there was a positive uh, impact, but it's just that's kind of leveled out a little bit now. And um I mean, look, all this is great news for Liverpool, isn't it? You know, it means that this is traditionally we've talked about emotional fi- fixtures for Liverpool, you know, United Everton being a little bit tricky, more so away from home than at home. But um you can't, you know, United and Everton are coming up at Anfield and you're pretty confident going into both.
1: Yeah. I mean United have got one win in the last seven matches in all competitions. Um obviously this weekend I think they've got Norwich, so that probably will change. I suppose you never know with United, yeah. but that, that that could change. I suppose pick a pick win there potentially. Uh but to round up the show, mate, it's just for the old time's sake. What's what's your prediction for Liverpool United? Yeah, I I'd be comfortable win actually. Uh 3 0 I'm gonna go with. Same. That's also mine, yeah. 3 yeah. 0. Uh hopefully we're, we're bang on the money. Or if not, combine those two scores. <laughs>
0: yeah, i uh, just on this subject. Who have City got after uh, in the Premier League? Is it Brighton? I think
1: it's Brighton. Yeah, and to be oh, honest, really? I wouldn't, I wouldn't put that down as a given. No, I've seen Brighton give them some one. issues. Yeah, because uh, uh, stylistically,
0: Brighton aren't ideal, really are they? Because the uh, the way they play.
1: Yeah, and they the Liverpool issues. I think the issue mm. is just putting the ball in the net. And if they can can do that, potentially I've got a bit of faith, but we never know, but we'll keep going anyway. Uh, So Dave, thanks for joining us, mate. Thank you very much, mate. Yeah, and we'll be back next week. So uh, do tune in then. Thanks for tuning in this week and we will see you then.
0: You've been listening to the Analyzing Anfield podcast on the Blood Red channel.